Well, hello, guys. How are you tonight? Fine. Doing well, thank you. Oh, that, that's very exciting. It, it's been quite a while since we managed to do one of these things. Well, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, I don't know what's it. I don't know, month or in the grand, you know, if you consider yeah. our entire output, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or lack. I was looking back. Uh, we're <laughs> in the um, something like the eighth year of doing this. I know that's really sad. Is that really true? <laughs> wow. um, yeah, I uh, when I, when I was moving all this stuff to the new the new uh, site, it it, it kind of stuck out how long we've been doing this. I mean, we had a few diversions. Yeah. But, you know, we, we were we talked about some other things, but it's damn. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then I think about these guys that, that record podcasts every week. Yeah. Like like clockwork. I mean, of course they're they're paid to do it usually, but yeah. still it's, <laughs> it's like wow. Well, coordinating three schedules, three busy schedules, you know, that uh that's a real challenge. When it's yes. purely recreational. It is a challenge. It's it's so hard for us. <laughs> so off we go into whom gods destroy. I I always when I think of this episode's title, I, I think of Calvin Hofer. Oh really? really? Why don't you What's explain that? for um, our our many listeners who Calvin Hofer is? Calvin Hofer is I'm, <laughs> he's still still around. Oh yeah. Uh, but at the uh, when we were in high school, he was the assistant band director at Central High School in Rapid City. And uh, he, for our junior and senior junior years, junior and senior year after the, the 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 great Sheldon Anderson. Yep. Um, and the reason, and he, he the, that was his first first job out of college, if I remember correctly. And uh, which, when you think about it, means that he was what probably twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, he he was young. Yeah, he. Uh, I was trying to remember because he was. Uh, let's see, I would have been sixteen. So yeah, he he's yeah. the same age as my older brother, and uh, so I, he was twenty. No, he was uh, he was twenty three, I think. Okay, when he started. But anyway, Still, yeah, yeah. So uh, um, the reason I I'm reminded of him is because I, I used to. I'm not sure where to start with this, but um, back back in the day, we we often watched things like this on you know videotapes and and. We had our Betamax stuff, which you know, we, we borrowed from the high school quite a bit. And so mm. if we had an extra Betamax VCR at home, it was probably from Central that my dad brought home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but at some point there, there was a marching band tape that was used, you know, for recording marching band rehearsals or something like that. And I, I think at some point I, I, I was trying to record some Star Trek episodes when they were aired. And I recorded this one and, and stuck it on the end of some other tape that was sitting around down there. And I walked into one of those little, little you remember those little practice rooms down down mm-hmm. in the old school? And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and they'd have all the gear sitting in there. And I'm sure I was just, you know, fucking around. <laughs> and <I'm> not, <laughs> not doing something I was supposed to be doing. To, well, put look at that tape that had a star trek episode on it happened to be this one and and i'd written on there whom god is destroyed mm-hmm. and somebody else had written after that calvin hofer <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a really geeky av club uh, if we had such a thing 
ver- version of you know uh, bathroom stall writing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's it's funny the shit you remember. Fair enough. Oh, but whenever wild. I see the title, that's what I I I think. Whom gods destroy, Calvin Oliver. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> actually, sorry for a lot of things, but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, he he's a good guy. He yeah, was the I, first person I ever knew that was into Stan Kenton, so that's uh, that's worth uh, something. Oh yeah, I remember it because we did a couple of Kenton tunes. Yeah, in jazz he, band. well, I mean, he's a trumpet player, and they all love Stan Kenton for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was new at the time. Yeah. Anyway. Back, back to the subject at hand. Whom God's destroy, which I I sort of liked better than I was expecting to. <laughs> a little bit. So I mean, for 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 more campy reasons, I think. So I why did you expect not to like it? I think that's really interesting to talk about what our our memories are of an episode. Yeah, and yeah. What... So I'll I'll start, and then maybe the two of you can uh, pick it up there. I, I was never, uh, most of their seasons, not, let's just face it, most of us were never that excited about them. But th- this this one seemed, uh, all, all the, the, the things that I might appreciate about them now, it seemed it seemed pretty irrelevant and not that interesting. And, mm. um, yeah, it, it just, I, I don't remember it being that, that compelling at all as, a, as an episode. There, there wasn't much going on, it seemed like. And, and today it's... Uh, it's a, the the campiness of it is is kind of fun and it, it's fun to see that guy who plays Garth. Excuse me, Steve Annette. Yeah, um, you know how how he's the one chewing the scenery. Mm. In, in this episode. big time, big time. I mean, he really he really goes for it, and uh, that that's this is one of those episodes I, I would be interested in interested to know more about. You um, know, as far, as far as the back the backstory, if there even is one about that, about you know, it's like okay, how did Chatner feel about this? And <laughs> because you know they 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 cast this guy as a a famous former Starfleet captain. Well, and they build him up pretty good, and it's like, well, you know that how does that how does that feel? Um, I was just skimming through the uh, uh, memory alpha entry on this. Um, Apparently, Nimoy had more um, problems with the script in the episode than Shatner did. There, most of it. Mm. It's right because Spock doesn't have all that much to do. Well, and he also uh, looks. I, I'm just skimming <coughs> again, but um, plot inconsistencies and and yeah, such as that it looks. So, so, so N- Nimoy actually expected it to be better. Yeah, as, just as an episode. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of memory of this one other than being kind of meh about it. Yeah, and that's kind of... I, I would agree with that. That's mostly my... Um, I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, that's still my reaction if I discount the performance part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that, that that's kind of where I'm coming from on it so far. The one thing that I, uh, um, I, I noticed this time that I thought was, it was a nice touch was that they had, um, an Orion, you know, uh, uh-huh. Marta, uh, an Orion slave girl and, and they had an Andorian and a Tellarite. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it was nice that they didn't ignore 
the uh, the history that they had set up in the series. Um, yeah, and I, I think this is the first time that a, a Orion woman, do I, is that correct? Yeah. Um, actually as a character, instead True. of just being some exotic dancer. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the they showed up first in uh, the cage, and that was only uh, the way the Telosians were presenting. Yeah, and she wasn't uh, actually an Orion either. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. And they, they could have gone for, they could have really gone for the, the cheap angle and just had a bunch of guys in jumpsuits. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was, it was, a little, it was definitely more interesting uh, to have these alien representatives of all races, of many races. Right. The, um, one of the, uh, when I was looking at uh, the, the memory alpha entry, one of the complaints that Nimoy made, apparently, was that uh, the script bore a strong resemblance to Dagger of the Mind from the first season. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's a recurring thing in this season, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, there, there are, I mean, there are major differences, but, I mean, the fact that it takes place in an insane asylum and, you know, even the, the chair that Garth uses to torture Kirk is the same one that was used in Dagger of the Mind. Yeah, literally recycled. Yeah. yeah, that was that was surprising that they wouldn't even make an effort to try to use something different, knowing that this was well, another. But you know that you could actually chalk that up to consistency because um, at the end of Dagger of the Mind, what they did was indicate the 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 chair with the swirly lights uh, actually was being used the way it was meant to be used. And and they even mentioned in the episode that, you know, it's helped many people back to health. And um, Oh, yeah, and they, they mass-produced it after that and yeah. deployed it at other stations. Yeah. Um, see, see, there <laughs> there is an explanation for almost anything. Um, that's true. You know, I guess it's not such a... If you do regard it as being consistency rather than just making an making an effort yeah. at least to to um, show consistency and but it sure comes off as just like oh look what's here we have this prop we can reuse from season one yeah I'm sure that that was uh, that consistency didn't even enter their minds so no you can always always tie it in somewhere though yeah well, well how about you Rob um. This episode, I, I thought, had its moments, and it has some good scenes where there's interesting action going on, especially the, the climax of the episode, where Spock has to decide between the two Kirks. I think that's a lot of fun and, and a really good moment. And then there's a few others. I do think that um, a, lot of it, a lot of it kind of drags, I think, because um, Lord Garth is just insane and not... He doesn't. They don't use really use it as an opportunity to have to explore any theme. It's just that he's crazy, and so yeah, there's not any. It would have been a lot more interesting, I think, if they had found a way to make connect his insanity to something about the pressures of being a starship captain, or yeah, it wasn't some kind of uh, reflection on either the the Star Trek Society or yeah, the, the yeah. service or some other kind of thing that they could have tied into pretty or easily. One of, or sort of the, the dark side of, of strong leadership is is that it may, it may turn you into a megalomaniac and that may drive you insane. 
And yeah, and that and that would be pretty consistent for Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that yeah. that's, that's a real missed opportunity in this episode. And so it makes his his ravings just seem it just like kind of dead air. You know, it's just you sort of feel like Kirk is or, just kind of waiting. It's very easy to uh, to kind of just write it off because they also coupled it with that power he has that 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 changeling ability. Yeah, that's right. The, from the aliens, which you know that, and you know they they didn't even really blame his insanity on that so much. Yeah, see, that would have been like sort of a, or that not very distinctly. No, in fact, I got the distinct impression that that was uh, the major cause of his insanity. Actually, but you mean with um, the aliens, the alien influence, or well, the fact that they taught him to their, well, as they put it, cellular metamorphosis in order to. Um, uh, heal his wounds, and that sort of that just drove his it unsettled yeah, his and, brain, and yeah, somehow they. Oh. I mean, they didn't go into any uh, detail about how that might have happened, but um, and, and that's the problem though, because it it it's so vaguely hinted at, it's not very satisfying. Yeah, oh, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that. No, no, that that's totally true, and. It's as good an explanation as anything, but it's it, it's also kind of a red herring, though. Yeah. I mean, if you if you could do something that's a little more philosophical about it, I mean that, that that's a little more Star Trek like. Well, you know the uh, the comparison I make uh, is to uh, Daystrom in uh, the Ultimate Computer, mm -hmm. because there I I mean we were in agreement that uh, both I can't remember the name of the actor who played. Daystrom, but he did a very good job, and his portrayal of, I don't know if it was outright insanity, but definitely, or McCoy described it as nervous breakdown, paranoid mm -hmm. schizophrenia, yeah. was much more believable, and they had a very plausible uh, explanation for it, too. Yeah, exactly, and it was, uh, it was built up well with the character. Right. Yeah. Whereas Garth is like, you know, they, he's so cartoonishly insane. Yeah. So to speak. And you know, he's, he's just really there as an obstacle. Yeah. Even to the point of his, you know, like his, um, his voice, you know, going the rapid shifts from relatively calm to hysterical and mm -hmm. his voice breaking and things like that. And, you know, I would be interested to know whether that was a result of the direction or just the in uh, in that uh, take on the character, I, I would believe that it, it's it could be direction. I the, the the other part that's frustrating to me is that they which leaves the 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 captain business unexplored is that the fact that there are hints in the performances where Kirk, as a fellow captain, makes kind of a connection once in a while, like breaks through a little bit. He does at one yeah. point, yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that that's kind of squandered because the, the character just doesn't develop well enough. Yeah. Well, how do you mean? Because... Oh, go ahead. Well, um, I, I know the senior that you were talking about, but and, and he does connect and seem to draw him back to rationality, but, you know, if the the truth is that garth is a you know raving lunatic then any attempt to i mean that that quick 
uh, uh, very sudden um, connection, you know, that might quell his his ravings temporarily. But um, I mean, obviously, recovering from outright insanity is going to take a hell of a lot more than that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I I think so. But I, I it, it it kind of is a. Uh... Because that they go to the trouble to make that connection, there's no um, all, all it is just it, it's just a tactic Kirk uses, right? And and that's all it really is. But you know, you why not make you know have it affect Kirk on some personal level, maybe just a little bit. You don't think it did? I don't know. I, it, it it seems pretty slight. Yeah. Well, <sighs> again, it, it's it's all addressed so quickly that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing, yeah, I mean, it's, um, nothing is dealt with, with any, uh, depth or profundity in this episode, so. um, Yeah, and I think it, I mean, the choice of having the character be so insane that he's beyond reach except through medical intervention just may, may be realistic, actually, but less interesting, um, and less, you know, and therefore less dramatically interesting and um less of a good story and i i sort of the the idea that there is going to be a medication that will permanently cure all forms of insanity is seems like such a such a reach even for a few centuries hence you know it just seems like really all forms of insanity are going to be cured by one medication (laughs) well did did they specify all they got to up the stakes rob come on yeah, they is there with the ultimate mental illness cure. I'm not sure that they maybe they didn't quite say it that categorically, but it was pretty close, I think. I mean, I I forget the exact language, but this is one of the last, you know, they set it up this is one of the last sort of asylums for the criminally insane and it's sort of these are sort of the the last people that couldn't be reached through prior medical developments, you know, and yeah, right. they they do kind of in, in That the, also the... seems strikes me as being Wildly impossible. Set that up. That that there are only fifteen. Yeah. Incurably insane. Yeah, it's like this is the last little holdout, maximum security asylum. Yeah. Well, you know, and in a kind of a perverted way that may account for um, uh, Garth being completely over the top. Because, you know, if he's one of the 15, and not the galaxy, I mean, it's just the Federation, but one of the 15 incurably insane in the entire Federation, then, you know, he'd, he'd be seriously whacked. He would be, but then also the the other asylum inmates are, are remarkably easily led by him, and yeah, they're, 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 none they're, of them exhibit any of their own, like, wild... Insanities. In fact, they they don't they barely say a word. Or they don't, you know. Well, Marta does. More except for Marta. Marta Marta has <clears throat> does have her her own, int- really Issues. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and and she she's kind of fun. As she's a, a good character. character, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, surprisingly she, so. <laughs> well, you know, and and the interesting thing about that is Yvonne Craig, who was also Batgirl in the incredibly campy mid '60s Batman. Oh, the Adam West TV. Batman. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. She actually turns in a more subtle, more believable performance than what um, Annette does with Garth. You know, like when she's in uh, about to doink 
Kirk, um, all of a sudden she, you know, pulls a knife and is mm-hmm. going to stab him to death. No, because that's, that, that's a really good scene. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, the, yeah. <laughs> the quip Spock and, makes and, about and, ensuring and it permanent is stuff like that, that make the episode more fun and more yeah. interesting. Even if it, at the end of it you're just kind of going, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the way it ends, you know, that, that it's like, well, I guess he's going to be okay, and I, well, we'll take off now. <laughs> well, the the thing about the uh, final, that final confrontation when Garth takes on Kirk's appearance, you know, clever, yes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Spock makes the determination of which one to shoot uh, by when Kirk says, oh, you have to shoot both of us in order to secure the safety of the Enterprise. Okay. The, the, the question that I have is that um, it's well known that phasers can be set for stun, correct? Right. I was thinking the same thing. So why the uh, fuck yeah, doesn't he just stun both of them? Stun them both. <laughs> so yeah. Stun the boat, and then the, Garth, the real Garth is instantly revealed. That was too easy. Which is exactly what he does. I mean... Yep. Well, and, you know, and Kirk sums it up very nicely, you know, about letting yourself be hit on the head is not a method King Solomon would approve. And, well, fucking, I mean, Spock is supposed to be super intelligent. Why would, (laughs) anyway. Yeah. That's a very, very legitimate argument. (laughs) (laughs) And and now that I think of it, you know, that's... Do we have any misogyny in this one? Oh, go ahead, Eric. Well, no, I was going to say that the the point about uh, at the end with going back to that scene at the end, uh, actually, that that point that I made has bugged me for a very long time. I just didn't realize it. But anyway, um, as far as misogyny corner goes, I suppose the only real candidate would be Marta, that character. Uh-huh. And, and I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, Garth acts in a very pandering sexist way but the fucker's insane so i mean and she's insane too so that kind of gives them a lot of leeway yeah but um she also is an interesting character so you have to give it to the show for for making her interesting and yeah and she's a racial minority as well on top of that (laughs) so i mean it's quite progressive actually (laughs) yeah that's true um well it would have been more interesting if the insane green orion slave girl had been the starfleet captain but that's the next i guess that wasn't just in the cards a little too much to ask the next series that'll be (laughs) (laughs) the next series captain marta Mm -hmm. the adventures of captain marta (laughs) except she was kind of vaporized yeah well it wouldn't be that particular oh okay Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, you guys have anything else to add to this one, or you want to wrap it up? Uh, I'm willing to wrap it up. Um, Rob? Yeah, I guess I don't have any other thing. I guess the other, the thing that surprised me is that, and this, I don't know, this may not be actually, it may be a, a way of avoiding the repeating past things, but there's not, there's no jeopardy to the Enterprise. There's no mm-hmm. ticking talk. Ticking, ticking talk, ticking clock, <clears throat> in the sense that there's jeopardy, um, and I, and I'm, it sort of led to a kind of a lack of tension throughout a, quite a bit of the episode. Where, yeah, Captain Kirk is is under pressure to reveal the 
Um, the code. Yeah. Countersign. That's the right word, I guess. Um, but that's it, pretty much. And otherwise, the Enterprise is okay. And Other than the implication that if Garth, disguised as Kirk, gets up, he can take the ship. But he can take control of the know. ship, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Although, but yeah. It, it's, it, it, it doesn't seem very well, well thought out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... He doesn't have much of a plan other than we're going to take your ship and rule the galaxy. Right, right. Well, any point, and Kirk or Spock points out that, you know, the Enterprise crew will re- or, uh, resist you just like your own crew did, and you're going to have, you, you, yes, you can imitate me and you can beam up, but it's not going to do you any good. Right. Of course, I mean, that's uh, logic probably isn't going to work on somebody who's, uh, you know, flagrantly insane so yeah, right so he gets a pass yeah yeah so anyway it just struck me as i was watching this episode that's why it felt like the stakes weren't that all that high but anyway that's yeah. it did it definitely has okay. its moments I, I but it's you. showing you know showing many of the weakness the third season weaknesses what? and then some i think well yeah and you know the thing is that one thing that i notice about this and to a little foreshadowing for let that be your uh, last battlefield or next mm. episode is that uh, one of the things I'm realizing about the, the majority of the third season episodes is that there is they there is nothing subtle uh, about them that I mean everything <laughs> is overt and I mean I, I guess it wasn't as glaringly evident in this episode, but I mean... Oh, I, I think this episode is masterwork of subtlety compared to the next one. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> the next one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, I, I just finished watching it, and it's it's still lodged in there. You know, though, the, the really weird thing about it is, if you talk to somebody, a non-Trek fan, um, about it, or ask them or a, a question about Trek... Uh, I've been astounded at how often they remember "Let That Be Your Last Battlefield," the half black, half white. Um, you know, I, I think the the just the the image sticks in people's heads. Yeah, it, it's a it's an indelible image, but you know the right the and and, and not to give anything, anything away, but that that that's one I I think I did enjoy more when I was young. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, I, I used to be much more tolerant of these sledgehammer social issue episodes and movies than I am now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. We'll, we'll have fun talking about that one. Yeah. Half white! <laughs> I, I still like mono, mono skin trash. Or <laughs> trash. Right. Oh. So there, there are some good lines in that one, definitely. I, I think somebody should write it as a stage play. <laughs> Well, at least it has a Shakespearean title. Exactly. I was trying to figure out if uh, uh, Whom Gods Destroy is from uh, Shakespeare, but I don't. I didn't see anything about it's it. It's from Euripides. Oh. Euripides, huh? Yeah. Good factoid. It's a great. It's How a great you know title. Um, it is. I just I remember looking that up once a long time ago. Um, ah, okay. But I forget which Euripides. I think. Yeah, I forget which play. Um, yeah, but it's it is a great title, "Whom Gods Destroy." Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And let that be your last battlefield is a great title too for crappy episode. No, 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 no no complaints about that part. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. Mm. Well, that's great. We'll get we'll get to the next one soon. I hope. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if you want to shoot for some time next week, I could. uh, I'd go for that. Yeah, and I I don't know. Do we want to try and tack on two next week? Maybe we can. I, it's okay with me. Okay, what? I, I mean, tell us what the one after that is. Okay, hold on just a second. Um, let's see. That's your lot in life. Hey, hey, lucky me. Let that be your last battlefield and the mark of Gideon. Okay. Ooh, a double header. Oh boy. Okay. That's a difecta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, but but the interestingly enough. Uh, if we keep knocking, if we do double headers, the rest of uh, season three, uh, we'll finish in uh, four podcasts. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, we're fine. Yeah. We we have something something to go for. Well, let's wrap this one up, boys. And okay, gents. All right, gentle mm-hmm. listeners. Good evening to you. 